Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I do have a real Word of God on my heart today. I feel like it is a Word for us as a church in this time that we're in. I feel like it is, we often say, a bit of a prophetic Word, bit of a Word from God's heart for us. So I just pray that we really lean in, that we're expecting for God to move in our lives today, expectant for Him to speak, that we're not just getting through the motions of a service, but that we're leaning in to hear His voice. And obviously that is for all of us online as well. I know God is gonna speak so powerfully. So God, we just pray today that You would speak that it would not be my words, but you would use my words to speak to our heart, to our inner person. That God, you would bring change in our lives as only your word can. God, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would shift things that need to be shifted. God, that you would move in power right now, that you would prepare us for everything that you want us to step into. And God, I just pray that you lift our eyes afresh and that we would receive everything you have for us today. In Jesus' Name, everybody said, Amen. Well, as Pastor Craig said, we are in this whole series at the moment of wonder. And the definition of wonder is a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something remarkable. And I love that, a feeling of amazement, admiration caused by something remarkable. And so we're going to turn into our Bibles uh, today about a story that talks about the wonder of Jesus. And Luke 5, verse 1 to 11, it's actually a passage that I looked at a few weeks ago, but this is a more detailed version of it. And it's when Simon Peter is called to follow Jesus. And it goes like this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowded around Him and listening to the Word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large amount of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. <clears throat> when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And what a powerful piece of passage this is. Simon Peter, who was just an ordinary fisherman, just going about his day-to-day routine and they'd been up all night trying to catch fish and had no success at all. And then Jesus comes along and He starts to teach the crowd. And I just love that beginning of the passage where the people were just listening to the Word of God, crowded around the Word of God. Because Jesus' words were life to them. 
I hope we never get familiar with the Word of God that we have, how precious God's Word is to us. And they're crowded around Him, just, just desperate, hungry to hear the Word of God. And, and so Jesus asked Peter for his boat and he gets into his boat and he goes a bit offshore and he teaches the crowd. And then after he's finished, he says to Simon Peter, hey, would you go and fish again? And Simon Peter says to him these words, look, Lord, we have worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. And you can almost feel the weariness that's in Peter's voice, the tiredness that's there. And as I read that passage, I felt God's heart for us in a very distinct way. This has been a wearing season. Let's be honest, this has been a tiring season. And I am putting my hand up first and foremost and saying it has been. Going into another lockdown that we didn't expect, then getting out of lockdowns and negotiating mandates with all of that. You know, the... The, the, the territory of having to open up church, you know, in this, this kind of time and season and then getting the news from Pastor Paul, our senior pastor, that he's battling what he's battling. And it can feel like this very wearing time. But I, I love about this passage is that Jesus meets Peter at his weariness. He meets him at his point of discouragement at his disappointment. And I just love that we have a Saviour who does that. He meets us at our point of weariness. He meets us at that place of disappointment, that place of tiredness, that place of, do we have to go again, God? He meets us there. And what I love about Jesus is in that moment, He does the miraculous. He does an incredible wonder that leaves Simon Peter literally falling on his knees before Jesus, crying out to Him saying, I am a sinful man. I'm not even worthy. I've been in the same proximity as you. I am unworthy. I am a sinful man. He is so in awe of the wonder of Jesus, in awe of what Jesus can do. And I feel prophetically like God is wanting to shift us into that place where we would go from wearing to wonder. Well, we would go from, gosh, this is a tiring season, all these arguments, all this stuff going on. And Jesus wants to turn it to wonder. He wants to turn it into this season where we're seeing the miraculous like we've never seen it before. Where we're taking new territory as a church, where we're taking new territory in our own personal lives, where we're stepping into faith like we've not stepped into faith before. And sorry, I'm getting a little bit stirred and passionate, but it's because I feel that word of, like, I, I honestly feel like this is such a distinct word from God for us as a church, that He wants to take us into this new place of faith. Well, we're believing again. Well, we're dreaming again. Come on, well, we're going, God, how do you wanna use me again? God, what's the new expansion that you wanna take me into? Who do you want me to use to see saved? Come on, that we would see the church filled with our family and friends being saved, impacting our communities like we've never impacted them before, stepping into new things, things that we thought were only a, dist, a, a great distance away, but God is saying, no, now is the time. I wanna step you into a new season of faith. But I also know that that new season of faith is gonna happen 
because we awaken to a new wonder of who Jesus is, a new wonder of what He is capable of doing and who He is. You know, I love that whenever Jesus spoke in the New Testament to somebody's faith, it was always somebody who had this awe and reverence of who Jesus was. You see it with the centurion soldier when he comes to Jesus and asks for his servant to be healed. And so Jesus is on his way to heal the centurion soldier. But the soldier sends word and says, no, 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 Jesus, I'm not even worthy for you to come into the same room as I am. I'm not worthy of that. He held him with such awe and wonder and he said, you just say the word and I know he will be healed. And Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. There was a wonder that he had. We see it with the Canaanite woman when she comes before Jesus and begs for her daughter to be healed. She's demon possessed and she begs Jesus to free her daughter. And Jesus' response to her is, well, you know, it's not right to take the food that is meant for the Israelite children and feed it to the dogs. She could have been very insulted in that moment. But he was testing her faith. And she, I love her response. She's like, we'll take the crumbs that fall from the table because even dogs get the crumbs. There was no sense of entitlement in her whatsoever. She was just willing to take whatever Jesus would give her. Again, there was a sense of awe and wonder. We see it with John the Baptist when Jesus comes to John the Baptist and he says, I'm not even worthy of untying your sandals. And in those days, untying someone's sandals was the lowest act that a slave would do. Friends wouldn't do it for friends. Family wouldn't do it for family. It was the act of a slave to his master. And he's like, I'm not even worthy of doing the lowest act of slave to this man, Jesus. He had the sense of wonder. You know, I want to ask us today, church, how is our wonder of Jesus going? How is our wonder, our awe, our astoundment at what Jesus can do? How's it going? Because you know, Jesus also marveled at the lack of faith in some people. In particular, those that were from his hometown that saw him grow up as just a young man, saw him grow up as a carpenter's son. And so when He came to their hometown doing the miraculous and declaring that He was the Messiah, they're like, no, 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 you're just Jesus. You know, it makes me wonder for those of us that have grown up in the hometown of Jesus, His church, how familiar we can get with Him. How familiar we can get with the wonder of who we have in our God. The fact that we have the Saviour of the universe that we know personally and how we can just get so familiar with that. How's our wonder going? How's our wonder going? You know, I think so often we can see Jesus as this baby in a manger, the God that came that was approachable to us, that we could relate to. You know what? He didn't just come to relate to us in our humanity. He came to save us from our humanity. He came as the Saviour of the world. And let's never forget that. We have the Saviour of the world who is our God, the one who conquered all sin, all death. And I love that Jesus so often through the New Testament, He referred to Himself as the Son of Man. 
And often we can think that that's a term that is full of humility and servanthood, which it is. He came as one of us. But actually, whenever Jesus used the term son of man, it was to describe himself as the one who had the power to forgive all sins, the one who had the power to heal all sicknesses and diseases, the one who was the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who was gonna come and conquer death. And actually to scholars of the day that Jesus was talking to when He said He was the Son of Man, they would know that He was actually referring to this prophetic word that Daniel had in the Old Old Testament, Daniel 7 verse 13 to 14, which says, In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into His presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of Every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So when Jesus, how amazing is that? When He was referring to Himself as the Son of Man, He was referring to that Scripture, that I am the one that is gonna come back. All power and authority has been given to me. That's the God that we serve. So in our weariness, God wants to awaken fresh wonder of who He is. Fresh wonder of what He wants to do through us. Fresh wonder of how He wants to use us. Fresh wonder of the faith that we need to step into. So whatever weariness we feel, Jesus wants to meet us there. So what I wanna do very quickly today is just look at three things about awakening wonder. Awakening the wonder of Jesus. And the first thing is that we need to choose the right filter. We need to choose the right filter. Now, it has surprised me in this season just how many different perspectives there are in the season that we're in. How many different points of view of how the government should be doing things, how the church should be doing things, how different things should be navigated. And what I've found is because of different people's point of view or perspective, that perspective actually becomes a filter that everything is seen through. I wanna encourage us that the filter we use is vital. I love Luke 11 verse 33. This is one of my favourite passages in the Bible. The eye is a lamp lighting up your whole body. If you live wide-eyed in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty salad. Keep your eyes open, your lamp burning so you don't get musty and murky. Keep your life as well lighted as your best lighted room in the house. How awesome is that? Keep your eyes open with wonder. Come on, the filter we've got to use is one of wonder, one of faith, one of expectation of what God can do. And I love to to get into that space where we're seeing things with wonder. It's a filter of but God. This filter of but God. I'm not just seeing what I naturally see, but I'm believing in the middle of it that but God, but God is gonna move. I have a but God filter. And I love the example of Joseph in the middle of this. I mean, he has thrown crazy things in life. He's thrown into slavery by, sold into slavery by his brothers. And then later on, he gets to the head of his household. Then he's wrongly accused, thrown into prison. But through all of that, he remains faithful to God, faithful to the promise, faithful with what he's given. He has a but God filter and he is faithful with the prison. And because he's faithful with the prison, he gets elevated to, you know, second in command to 
all of Egypt. And I love, we see the filter He uses when He's confronted by His brothers in Genesis 50. I can just see my notes. Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it all for good to bring about many people should be kept alive as they are today. He had a but God filter. I love that. King David had a but God filter. In Psalm 73 verse 26, he said, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Jesus had a but God filter. Matthew 19 verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Come on, we need a but God filter. See, a but God filter focuses your wonder on Jesus rather than the storm that surrounds us. A but God filter focuses your wonder on Jesus and what He's able to do rather than the cancer diagnosis. A but God filter focuses your wonder on the God of the universe that we serve rather than the giant that is in front of us right now. A but God filter allows us to enter into the promised land despite the obstacles that are coming against us. A but God filter allows you to stand against the culture of our day, worshipping Jesus only and knowing He has you in the fire. A but God filter allows you to stand in the gap for others, to fight for them, knowing that it's a spiritual battle and we have heaven on our side. A but God filter allows us to see the wonder of what we have. We have Jesus Christ fighting for us. We have the King of the universe on our side. We have a but God filter. How are we using this filter? Come on, have we got it on permanently? Do we just put it on every now and then when, the, when, it, when our faith is maybe low and oh yeah, I've got to conjure myself up again? Come on, how often are we wearing this? How often are we using this? We need a but God filter. I love our little boy, Easy. He is just passion personified. And as Craig said before, he has just this year just, realise what Christmas is and Christmas means presents to him. And so he just for the past few weeks, everything is about what I can get for Christmas. So he's just asking all the time, can I have that for Christmas, Mum? Can I have can I have cars? Can I have dinosaurs? Like it's just heyday for him. And so it's funny though, most of the things that he's asking for, he actually already has. But because of the culture around the Christmas, his mindset has changed from I have to I want. I have to I want. And how often do we do that as Christians? We have this perspective of I want rather than what I have. Mate, we have Jesus, the living God working in and through us. Look at what we have rather than focusing on what we don't have. No, so often we want God's perfect plan all sorted for us, wanted all the box, boxes lined up before we step out rather than looking what we do have, that we have the Holy Spirit leading us, directing us, guiding us. So all we actually need to do is step out and allow Him to lead us as we step out. Come on, we want God to miraculously just take away all our issues and problems rather than realising that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. And what we actually need to do is awaken our authority, awaken what God has given us, realising that we can can overcome because of who He is on the inside of us. Come on, we look at things like in reaching people, all the words that we don't have. 
all the, all the things that we wish we could say, rather than going, look at what we have. We have the good news. We have eternal life news. Man, if we focused on what we have, we would reach people in a far greater way, but we get so, so nitpicky with what we don't have. Come on, are we focusing on what we have? I love what Psalm 71 verse 17 to 24 says. You got me when I was an unformed youth, God. Taught me everything I know. Now I'm telling the world your wonders. I'll keep at it until I'm old and grey. God, don't walk off and leave me until I get the news of your strong right arm to this world. News of your power to the world yet to come. Your famous and righteous ways, oh God, you've done it all. I love that. Again, from King David. I'm gonna tell the world your wonders. Come on, do we live with that kind of conviction? Focused on what we have, not getting complicated with what we don't have. The second thing is resting in His ways. How we awaken wonder is resting in His ways. Friday night, Craig and I uh, had a date night together to celebrate our 19 years of being married together, and which is awesome. I haven't had a date night in a while. And so we went out and we started with going to a floating bed experience. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's this, it's this like salt bed uh, thing and like this little pod and it's salt water and you just float in the salt water. It's quite a bizarre experience, but incredibly calming. It was amazing. You're just floating away and you just have to let it all go. And then we went for a massage afterwards and then dinner. And I tell you, by the end of the night, I was so good, so awesome. Life was so sweet. It was amazing. Every Craig was wonderful. <laughs> Kids were wonderful. Life was good. I actually realised at the end of the night that I had my T-shirt backwards the whole night. I didn't care. <laughs> I was just so rested. It's amazing when you're rested how you see the wonder. Changes your perspective. You know, God promises us rest no matter what we face, no matter what we have to, the challenges that we're going through. Matthew 11, verse 23 Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He promises us rest. But you know, the promises that He gives us, this rest, it only comes because we choose His ways. It's a rest that comes when we choose His ways. I love Exodus 33 verse 14, Jesus, uh, God speaking to Moses, He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But that rest was only promised if they would follow God's ways. And so often, I don't know about you, but it's amazing when you just try and struggle for rest in your own way, but you never achieve it. Rest only comes when we surrender to God's way rather than just fighting for what we want. I mean, a great example of this is what Keena and Danny shared last week on the fact of others. You know, self comes so easily. Self just comes so naturally to who we are. It's what we want. It's funny, I'm just teaching our oldest son, Zahn, who's 13 at the moment, to wash his clothes you know, to use a washing machine. And he, he made the mistake a few weeks ago of complaining about how a shirt wasn't washed. And I'm like, right, buddy, you just come here with me and we're gonna teach you how 
So what? I know Italian mothers are right now are like, I cannot believe you were teaching your 13-year-old child to do washing. Nonna's are just turning over in their grave right now. But I, I taught him and I would come down and just find like one T-shirt wash. Like just one thing at a time. I'm like, you know, buddy, it'd be great if, you know, you put other clothes in as well as your own. And he kind of looked at me and he, he said, why would I want to do that? Like, it's just about my clothes. I'm like, how true is that? Like self is just so ingrained in us. Like it's just how we see things. From the youngest of age, we reach for the biggest chocolate cake. But God's way is others. And it's amazing that when we actually let self go, and embrace others. It's amazing the rest and the satisfaction that comes in there. See, self just so overpromises and underdelivers. When we are led by self, it just continues to demand more. It's never enough. And we're entering to this striving, this thing where we're just trying to appease something that can never be appeased. But when we live God's ways, we find rest in His ways because it's how we're always designed to live. It's why Jesus said in Matthew 10 verse 39, whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Are we choosing God's ways or our ways? Let the wrestle go. The third thing and the last point, I'll get the team to join me please, is activating our hallelujah. Activating our hallelujah. And some of you may be like, what the heck does that mean? Activating your hallelujah. And you know, I, I think sometimes with these Christian words like hallelujah, you know, sometimes we can sing them in church and we kind of know the sense of what it's meant to mean. You know, it's kind of meant to mean to honour and glorify God, but we're not really sure the full extent of what it means. You know, we sing, I raise a hallelujah. And we kind of have no idea what we're talking about. The term hallelujah means to boast in the Lord, to boast in the Lord. How much are we boasting in our God? How much are we giving honour and glory, everything that He deserves? I, want, I love 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 17. It's actually some of the shortest Bible verses in the Bible. So you can leave church today going, you know what? I memorised two Bible verses. But rejoice always, it says, and pray without ceasing. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Mate, what this would do to our wonder if we would pray continually and rejoice always. What it would do to our attitude of mind, to our state of heart, if we rejoiced always and prayed continually. You know, in the Jewish custom, they actually have prayers for every part of their day to keep them in that stance of rejoicing always and praying always. They have a prayer for when they wake up, a prayer for when they get dressed, a prayer for when they see the sky for the first time. Every part of their day, there is a prayer for. And we can hear that and think, well, that sounds quite legalistic, but mate, it would change your perspective. It would get your eyes off yourself and, and who it should really be on, our God, the King of all kings, the one that deserves all glory and honour. Man, we were made to worship. We were made to worship. We're not made to focus on ourselves, even our own mental health. We're wired, our brains are wired to worship. 
not to be focused on self. You know, when we worship, when we extend gratitude, it actually releases all the good endorphins, all the good chemicals in our mind, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, or endorphins, it releases them all. Our brains are wired to worship and it actually distances our minds from negative emotions as well. We are made to worship. Come on, how's our wonder of Jesus going? How's our worship of Him going? The team are gonna lead us in this beautiful item of, O come all ye faithful. And this item, this worship moment that we're gonna have, I believe it's just gonna be a moment where we can just a fresh awaken wonder of Jesus. Sidon talks about the angels coming and declaring to the shepherds that Jesus had arrived, their Messiah had arrived. And the shepherds went and saw Jesus, the baby in the manger. And their first response was to worship. Man's first response to Jesus was to worship. We are made to worship. We're made to live in this wonder of who Jesus is, not in our independence, not in our own self-reliance, not trying to work it all out ourselves, but that wonder and that worship of Jesus. So Jesus, right now, I just pray that You would awaken our wonder afresh. Our wonder of who You are. God, I pray where there's weariness, that You would awaken wonder right now. That Lord, that You would lift our eyes off ourselves and centre them on You. That You would ignite a fresh fire, a fresh passion for You, a fresh faith. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I right now, I just pray that You'd breathe fresh faith into this room, a fresh way of seeing things, a fresh wonder. In the mighty Name of Jesus, we pray. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.